0: It is good to be here this morning. We are um, we're in part three of our Holy Spirit series. Part three of our Holy Spirit series. If you missed part one or part two, um, go online and check it out because we are we are we're we're spending some time learning about the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He's doing in our life, what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is for us. A lot of times we get we get Father and we get Son. But we kind of freak out on Holy Spirit. We kind of go, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. What's that all about? So we're just spending some time exploring uh, who the Holy Spirit is and, and what he has to do with you and with your life. And today um, I'm going to attempt to give you about 10,000 years of history of the Holy Spirit in T-minus 20-something minutes. How about that? Are we good? All right. So here's what I need you to do this morning, everybody. I'm going to need you to just lean in and uh, and stay focused because a lot of times i'll try to preach a sermon i um today i'm not going to try to preach a sermon i'm going to try to teach a sermon i'm going to try to teach through uh the 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 importance of and the value of the holy spirit in our life and what i want to focus on today is what's called the unity of the holy spirit the unity of the holy spirit somebody say unity unity. How many of you know we need some unity in our life and in our world and in our families and in our society? We need a little bit of unity because there's divisiveness and division and polarization. We, we, just, we just see it everywhere we go. In fact, that's just kind of the nature of humanity is that we tend to turn on one another. Um, the, the problem in relationships, the, the one major problem in relationships is that they involve two people. And that's the problem, right? Because whenever there's two people, there's inevitably... Some conflict. There's going to be some difficulty. In fact, I heard a story recently about a man who was stranded on a desert island, all alone by himself for 20 years. He was stranded on a desert island. Nobody else there. Just one guy. And when the rescuers came, they they came to pick him up, and they were a little bit uh, confused because when they pulled up onto the island, it looked like there were two churches on the island two churches that had been apparently built by this one man you know over the course of 20 years on this island by himself so they asked him they said sir can you try to explain this to us they said what is what is this what is this one structure he said oh this is this is the church I attend they said oh okay they said okay well then what is that structure he said oh that's the church I used to attend but we had a falling out (laughs) so that's funny people somebody That's, that's that's thank you it's not that funny, but thank you anyway. Um, <laughs> there's division, the man. There's, there's whenever, whenever, there's, whenever there's people, there's challenges. And, and, the, and the reason is because from the very beginning of time, our nature is to be self-focused. Our nature is to be self-interested. Our nature is to desire what we believe to be best for ourselves, even if that means to the detriment of somebody else. And that's the way we have been for, for a long time, since humanity Uh, came around. At the very beginning of time, we turned from worshiping a creator to starting to want to worship ourselves. And the scripture teaches us that the power of the Holy Spirit is to bring unity between people and God and unity between people and other people. In fact, our church's mission statement, some of you know it, is bringing people and God together in love. And the reason that some of you know that is because we say it all the time. We, we, we put it on the video. We, I talk about it. I preach about it. Years ago, we had a, a big mission statement that was like eight paragraphs long, and it was theologically comprehensive, and it was dense, and it was thorough, and it was complete, and nobody knew it, not one person, not even me. So we said, you know what? Maybe we should trim this thing down so we could f- figure out what we are all about, and what we decided is we're about bringing people and God together in love. The reason we're about that is because we believe that's what Jesus was about. We believe that was his mission when he was on the planet. In fact, when he was asked by uh, a a lawyer, he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And you know the answer. He said the greatest commandment in all of the Bible is is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's That's a vertical commandment. You need to draw closer to God through love. He said there's also another commandment. It's the second greatest and it's a horizontal commandment. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. So he said, you know, the most important commandment is a unifying commandment where you become one with God and you become one with your brothers and sisters. In fact, when, when, he was, when he was praying in the garden at the end of his life, the thing that he was praying for was this, bringing people and God together in love. The scripture says that he said, Father, make them, those who will be following me, make them one, he said, even as we are one. You and me and I and you so that they may be brought to complete unity, he said. He was praying for and crying out for unity where there's division. He was crying out for oneness where there's divisiveness and and, and divisiveness and antagonism. He was saying, I want you to become one. And what we discover is that if it was Jesus's mission to bring unity, then it's going to be the Holy Spirit's mission to bring unity as well. Jesus said, I'm going to leave, if you remember, at the end of his life. I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send another. I'm going to have the Father send another, a comforter, an advocate. He's going to be with you. He's going to remind you of everything that I told you, and he's going to guide you. And so what we discover when we begin to look at the the mission of the Holy Spirit in our life, it's the same as the mission of Jesus. It's to bring people in God together in love. In fact, if you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, this is how the Holy Spirit's work is described Uh, when the Apostle Paul is, is talking to Christians, he says this. He's talking to us. He said, make every effort to keep the what? The unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Then he said there is one body. There's not many bodies. There's one body of Christ. And there's one Spirit. Just as you were called, he said, to one hope. When you were called, he said, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all, and then look at this in us all. He's saying, look, I want to bring I want to bring you closer to God and I want to bring you closer to each other. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so today what I want to focus on for the next few minutes is the unity, the unifying power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The unifying power of the Holy Spirit In our lives. And the way I want to do that, and here's where you're going to have to really focus and track with me, okay? Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to compare and contrast two stories from the scripture. I'm going to juxtapose a story from the book of Genesis, which is a fascinating story, and I'm going to juxtapose that with a a story from the book of Acts, which occurred thousands of years after the book of Genesis. And the, the, the story in Genesis describes the nature, the self centered, the self focused nature of humanity. And the story in Acts describes the unifying power of the Holy Spirit. So are you guys ready to go on a 10,000-year journey with me today? You guys ready? Okay. All right, here we go. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 11. And this story is familiarly known as the story of the Tower of Babel. If you grew up in church and you ever went to Sunday school, uh, you know about the story of the Tower of Babel. So I'm going to read a portion of it this morning. It says this. It says, Now the whole world had one language, and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar. That's basically in the Crescent Valley. Uh, They found a plain in Shinar, and they settled there. And here's what they said to each other. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Then they said, Let us build ourselves a city. Who are they building the city for? Ourselves. Let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. So right out of the gate, we see the story of humanity is a story when people come together, they're striving to elevate themselves. They want to build a tower to heaven. They want to deify themselves. We always tend to want to elevate ourselves beyond who we are and take the place of God in our own life. We want to elevate ourselves, but the Scripture teaches that pride comes before a fall. I don't know if any of you have ever had a fall that followed a moment of pride. But, uh, you know, when you do, it's, you know it. You said, oh, yeah, I was just a little too arrogant there. I was a little too prideful and took a little tumble after that. And that's what's getting ready to happen to these folks. They're elevating themselves above God. They're trying to become God-like. Uh, and, and when we do that, the Scripture teaches that God will elevate the humble, but he'll bring down the prideful. And that's what happens. It says, the Lord said, come let us go down and confuse their language so remember they were all speaking the same. let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other because the lord doesn't like it when we try to take his place he doesn't like it when we try to become god he just doesn't he prefers that not to happen because that's not what we were made to do we were made to bring honor and glory to him not honor and glory to ourselves so he says we're going to mess up this little project that you guys got going so he says, I'm going to go down and confuse their language. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth. So now they're scattered. They're being, they're being they're divided all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. Their project came to a screeching halt. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. So we see this picture of humanity. This is us. This is human beings. That are striving to elevate ourselves, striving to seek our own interest, our own needs, make a name for ourselves, build our own towers, build our own temples to ourselves so that we can elevate ourselves over God. And God says, man, I'm, I just, that's just not what, that's not how this program is going to run. Right. Because I'm, I'm God, you know, and I built you to 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 worship and have a relationship with me. I'll give you an example of of a, a real clean example of how we do this. If the story of Babel seems too crazy for you, um, all you have to do to understand the self-serving nature of humanity is to to be around children for about two seconds. You know what I mean? Because children, my, I just praise the Lord for giving me children because they are walking sermon illustrations for me. And I think that that the Lord gave them. Uh, for many purposes, but but they, they have taught me so much about the scripture and about God that I like to share with you. But I, I was with my little ones, my, my two youngest, three-year-old and five-year-old recently, um, Eden, my three-year-old, and my five-year-old, Augustine. And we were driving around doing, running errands and stuff in the car. And what they wanted to do, and I, I could never really figure it out, but they were competing to see who would be first to get into the car. And the thing that I couldn't figure out is there's no inherent good side about getting to the car first. Like there's no money involved. There's no prize. There's no candy. There's no, like, why do you want to get into the car first? Like at the, at, just at the very basic level, what's the upside of being in the car first, right? The seats are hotter. Okay, you're going to burn yourself. So it's actually maybe better to be in the car second. Give yourself a little more time out in the breeze, right? But for whatever reason, they decide we want to be in the car first. So every time we would come back to the car, the two of them are just like elbowing each other and fighting to get into the car. Finally, I'm like, all right, guys, we got to just take turns. You know, you're going to get in the car first this time, then you're going to get. But it was completely arbitrary. The only thing that I could pinpoint is that they wanted to be first because they wanted to be first, they wanted to be first because it was about me. Because I want to be first. But what's the good side of that? Well, me. I'm the first one. So I'm first. So there we are. Right? That's, that's, that's the picture of humanity. Now, the good thing for you, for you parents is the good thing is that that stage only lasts from birth till about 75. And then, <laughs> and then it changes. Um, so, but that's, that's who we are, right? We're people who want what's, what we want when we want it. It's us. That's the nature of being a human being. And the Holy Spirit is coming to go, no, 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 no. That's not why I made you. That's not why you were made by the Father. You were made to bring glory to the Father. And so when you bring glory to the Father, then actually what happens is it brings unity to people. You get unified with the Lord and you get unified with other people. So when Jesus decided to pour out the Holy Spirit on his followers, if you remember from... Our last series, Death, Burial, Resurrection, he rose from the dead. He preached to his uh, disciples for about 40 days, and then he ascended to heaven. And then about 10 days after that, there was a feast. The feast is called the Feast of Pentecost. It's found in Acts chapter 2, and the word Pentecost just means 50. Penta means 50 because it's 50 days after Passover. Let me read you this story because this story is God's version of, of reversing story number one. Are you ready? You guys still with me? Or have I? Okay. Acts 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, in other words, when this festival happened, 50 days after Passover, there were together in one place. They were all together. These are a group of Jesus' followers, about 120 of them had gathered together. And it said, suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were were sitting remember in, in the very first installment of this series we talked about the holy spirit the name for the holy spirit in hebrew is ruach which is wind it's an onomatopoeia it's wind it's 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 the blowing it's it's breath it's air right The same way in greek pneuma it's the breath this is what's happening in this story the wind of the holy spirit is sweeping in suddenly it sounded like the, the the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven filled the whole house And then it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then this is where it gets really interesting. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this is where people kind of get like a little bit of crick in their neck because they're like, wait wait wait, 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 what's what's going on now, right? What's happening in this story, the word, the, the, the Greek word for tongues, it actually means language. It's, it's just like English. The, the, in Greek, glossa means tongue, and it also means language. Uh, and in the same way in English, language derives from the Latin lingua, which means tongue, right? So, what's happening is there is the group, this group of people, the Holy Spirit is coming upon them, and the Holy Spirit is enabling them to speak in different languages. Why? Why are they enabled to speak in different languages? It says this, now they were staying they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Okay, remember the people in Genesis 11? They got scattered out across every nation under heaven. They're coming back, and they're coming back, and they all speak different languages, remember? Because they were, their languages were confused. They had different languages. They're all coming back together, every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Now, this is a a powerful, amazing miracle. The Holy Spirit is enabling a group of 120 followers of Jesus to speak the languages of people from all over the world. And I'm going to tell you in a minute what they were saying. But they were speaking in the language of the people who were gathered from all over the world, utterly amazed They asked, and I love this question because, well, I'll tell you, uh, utterly amazed. They they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, this is this this doesn't this doesn't land on the modern ear, but the the that phrase it's a slam. It's like, wait, aren't these people Galileans? Now, Galilee is up north. Galilee, and I've I've been there. I've been to Galilee. I'm so glad I get to say that now. Um, It's like it's hunting and fishing territory. It's like it's the woods. It's the sticks somebody come on nothing wrong with the sticks it's out in the country and the folks up in galilee they weren't particularly well educated they were illiterate uh they had a galilean accent they they really had an accent i mean so what what these folks are saying these folks that are coming from all over the world they're saying how is it possible that these hillbillies are able to speak in our language right fluently. How is that even possible? These people don't even know our language. In fact, um, Simon Peter comes up, comes from that area. He, he grew up in a town called Bethsaida. And if you look up the meaning of Bethsaida, I'm not even joking, it means hunting and fishing. That's what it means. Look it up. Go into Strong's Dictionary. Go look it up. These, these, so what these, these people from all over the world are going is like, wait a minute, this group of 120 illiterate followers of Jesus who can barely speak Aramaic and speak it in an accent that we don't even understand, um, how are they speaking fluently in my language? Like, how would they possibly know that? And then it gives, and then it says, uh, how is it? In fact, they asked that question. How is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? So what were the languages? Well, they list them. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear these people declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. They said, well, what is happening here? So let me, I want to explore this story with you for a minute because what we have at the top of this story The first story is what we're going to call Babel, right? That's the tower that we explored in the very first part of Genesis. And down here, we have this feast of Pentecost. We have this moment of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, okay? And I want to just contrast these two stories so that you can understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. At Babel, we had confusion. Remember, the scripture said that the Lord confused their language. They weren't able to understand each other. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit brings clarity. The Holy Spirit's role in your life is to take you from confusion to clarity. The power of the Holy Spirit's role in your life is to bring you from a place of confusion to a place of clarity. Does anybody here uh, speak a a language other than English? Anybody speak a language other than English? Okay, a lot of you guys. A couple things. One is... um, when, you hear, when, you're in a, when you're in an area where you speak a language but most of the people around you speak a different language, you really can hear when somebody is speaking your language. Like if you're, if you're here from a different country and your native language is a different language than English and you hear somebody speaking your language, you're like, whoa, I, I hear that. There's just a lot of noise, but I hear that, right? Or if your native language is English and you're in another country, uh, you notice, you know, you're like, that's an American right there. I see, I see you, man. Um, and you hear, you hear people speaking in your own language. I, um, I speak a little bit of Spanish. I don't speak great Spanish, but I speak a little bit of Spanish. And the problem with my Spanish speaking ability is that my accent is actually better than my vocabulary. So, so when I speak Spanish, it seems like I speak more Spanish than I actually do. And this has caused me some problems from time to time because I'll get engaged in a conversation with a a real Spanish speaker and from the introductory remarks, they're like, hey, this guy speaks Spanish. So then it elevates the conversation to that next tier and I'm lost, right? Because I don't know those words. I only know these words, but I know them really, really well, okay? And so years ago, I was in a conversation with some Spanish speakers and, and I have started to run into this problem because I entered the conversation with my cool accent, which I learned when I was a little kid. My parents, my, my aunt and uncle were missionaries in Ecuador, so I went and spent time there. So I got some good accent going. And so I'm having this conversation with this group of people, and I'm speaking really well at the very beginning. Like, hi, how are you? Hola, como estas? Muy bien. Y usted? Muy bien, gracias. And so like that. And it was going great. Well, then the conversation moves beyond that tier to, like, more complex sentence structures and more complex vocabulary. And I'm standing there going, I don't know what's happening at this point. Like, like, I'm just a little bit confused. And what I didn't want to do is to keep going as if I understood, because, like, what if they started saying something offensive and I'm still sitting there nodding, like, yeah, you know, like, I have no idea what you're saying right now, you know? So what I felt is that I should do is I should interject at this point and I should say to them, what I wanted to say is this. I wanted to say, hey, I'm sorry guys. Uh, my Spanish isn't that good. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed is what I wanted to say in Spanish. And so I was trying to think of how I could say that because the conversation is just rocking all around me. And so, so I'm trying to think of all the words to put that sentence together. And I thought I had it together, but there's a little problem and, and the problem was in Spanish the word for... Well, the word that I thought was the word embarrassed. Uh, there's a Spanish word call, called embarazada. Embarazada. Are any Spanish speakers in the house? Okay. And so the problem with the word embarazada is it looks like embarrassed. It sounds like embarrassed. If you look at the spelling, it's, it's spelled like embarrassed, but it means pregnant. It doesn't mean embarrassed. It means with child, literally. And so I said... Lo siento, mi español no es muy bueno. Estoy un poquito embarazada, which means I'm sorry. Uh, I don't speak Spanish very well, and I'm a little pregnant. Um, so I didn't understand much of what was said after that. I did hear the word loco pop up a little, a couple times in that conversation. So, so the problem was when when the hearer and the and the and the speaker do not understand each other, it creates confusion. The power of the Holy Spirit is to bring clarity where there is confusion. And so he brings the people from all over the world. We get this picture bringing people and God together. They're speaking the wonders of God and they're doing it to people from all over the world. So he's bringing people closer to God and people closer to another by taking confusion and making it into clarity. The other thing that he does in this story the Holy Spirit does in this story is that he turns... Division, division, division into unity. He brings unity where there is division. Remember in the first story, it says they were scattered across the face of the earth. They were scattered. In this story, it says they're all being brought together. They're all coming back together. In fact, it's amazing. It's really, really amazing. If you read down a little further in the chapter in Acts, it says uh, of the... Followers of, of Jesus, those who were there. It says, all the believers, in verse 44, all the believers were, what's it say? Yeah. Together. And had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. With the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit brings people back together. He can bring you back together with people that you need to be brought back together with where there's divisiveness and there's dissension. There was a, a a couple in my dad's church many, many years ago. Um, and, uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't mind me telling this story because they tell it everywhere they go. But they, they were, they were going through a very, very hard time in their marriage, in their relationship. And they had basically separated and, and split up and, and they were just kind of moving down their own path. Uh, nothing major had happened. There were no, no major issues had arisen. They just had drifted apart, and they said, you know, we're just, we're, just, we're, just, we're just not with each other anymore. But they both loved the church where they attended, so one came to the early service and one came to the late service. That was their plan. They had it, they had it all mapped out. Well, one day they got it messed up, and they both ended up attending the same service. But there, were, there was a big crowd there, and, and they didn't realize that the other one was there. Well, my dad used to do this thing when he was a pastor, and I like to do it every once in a while, but he would, at the end of a service sometimes, he would just bring everybody down to the altar, and, and everybody would hold hands or pray together or sing together, and it was just this beautiful moment of, of praying and seeking the Holy Spirit and seeking God. And, and so that particular Sunday, he did that, and he brought everybody down to the front, and they're all praying, and still this couple, one was over here and one was over there. They didn't know that the other one was there. And they're all praying and they're all singing together. And the Holy Spirit began to work in both of their hearts separately and began to call them to, to reunite with the other party, to bring it back together, to get back together. And and he was moving in both of their hearts at the same time. And the interesting thing is that when they broke up, when they were divided, they both wanted to. They both wanted that. It wasn't like one of them was saying, I want you back. They were both going, I'm I'm just, I'm tired of you. Well, I'm tired of you. And that's how, they, that's how they were. Well, in this moment, at this particular service, you can ask them, the, the, the Holy Spirit began to speak in their hearts and said, I want you guys to get back together. Well, when the altar cleared out, the two of them were still standing there, tears streaming down their face, turned to one another, saw each other, blown away, came together, and, they're, and you know, uh, Phil said, Phil, I, I guess I can say their names, I just did. But Phil said, <laughs> <laughs> Phil said, I want to get back together. I feel like God wants us. And Sandra said, as long as I said Phil's name, I'm going to say Sandra's name. So, and Sandra said, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me too. And they got back together. They've been together all all these years from that day until this. And they go all around the world and tell that same story. The power of the Holy Spirit is to reunite us, to bring people and God together in love, to bring unity where there's division. Some of you are experiencing some, some division in your life, in your family, in your relationships, maybe even in your own heart. And you need some unity. You need some integrity. You need some wholeness and some completeness brought together. And then the third thing I want to show you that happens in this story is that in the story of Babel, the scripture says that their project, remember it says they stopped. They stopped working on it. So what they experienced was what I want to call decline, whereas with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, what we see is rapid and massive Expansion. Expansion. The Holy Spirit brings expansion where you were experiencing decline. Where the projects in your life, where the things that you were experiencing come to a screeching halt because they're self-motivated, they're self-interest, you're running into a wall. When the Holy Spirit comes to work in your life he begins to expand your horizons he begins to expand your territory he begins to expand what's going on in your heart and the scope of your reach and the scope of your mission and the scope of your vision where there is decline the holy spirit the scripture says brings expansion i want to uh i want to uh show you in fact let me just give you this one more verse it says acts uh 247 the scripture says and the lord added at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In fact, at this very first event, the very first event after Peter preached the gospel, the scripture says that 3,000 people, it went from, it went from 12 disciples to 120 followers to 3,000 people on that day became followers of Jesus. And then by spending time together, breaking bread and praising God and allowing the Holy Spirit to work, the Lord added to their number Daily, those who are being saved. So what we see by the power of the Holy Spirit is expansion where there is decline. Expansion. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you want these experiences in your life, greater clarity, greater unity, greater expansion, then what has to happen, what's necessary for that to happen is for the work of the Holy Spirit to be permitted to do its thing inside of you. So how do we experience that? How do we, how do we have that happen? How do we embrace that in our life? I want to give you three things really quickly. Uh, and um, wow, really quickly. Um, and, then we'll, and then we're going to close. The first one is this. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit within you. The scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit is in you. He's at work in you already. He's already at work. I don't know if you've ever been in a room where you sense that there's somebody else in the room. You ever had that? And then you discover that, oh, yeah, there is somebody in the room. But you, you, you didn't know they were there when you were in the room? We, we had this happen just the other day. A friend came over and was helping Rebecca do some stuff in the backyard, and they brought their baby, and they, they, I didn't know it because I wasn't aware of it, but they put their baby to, to sleep in a pack-and-play in our room, and I, and I didn't know. So I come walking in, you know, walking into the house, go up to the room, flip on the light, changing clothes, and I had this weird feeling, this feeling, I'm like, it feels like some, somebody's in here, and I literally, I literally thought it was a mouse, I literally thought, I bet there's a mouse over in, maybe there was a little movement or something, is there a mouse in here, and I like turn over, and there's a sleeping child in the pack And I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this, um, so anyway, the Holy Spirit is, that, is alive in you, he's in you right now, maybe you sense him, and he's saying, look, I want you to fully acknowledge me, I want you to just acknowledge the fact that when you became a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit entered your life. In fact, for you to experience faith in Christ, it required the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you three verses really fast. This is from Romans. It says Acts, but it's from Romans. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Your temples, that means the Holy Spirit has taken residence inside of you. He's in you. You've received him. Ephesians 1 says, when you believe, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. The Holy Spirit has been deposited in those who are followers of Jesus, and he lives inside of you. The third one is 1 Corinthians 12. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. The Holy Spirit is in you, at work within you. Scripture says, acknowledge him. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit who already dwells inside you. The second one is this. Discover, develop, and deploy the gifts of the Spirit available to you. Right? So it's one thing to just go, oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. But if you're never discovering, developing, and deploying the gifts that He brings you, then it's like having a you know, it's like having some powerful force available to you that you're just not accessing. It's like when I'm driving, I don't like to use my GPS in my car. I just don't like to use it because I always think to myself, I know how to get there. You know, I know how, I, I've been there before. And then after I've been lost for about 45 minutes, my wife says, "You know, you have a GPS. You could always turn that on, and then we'll get there." Um, anybody? Does that happen to anybody else, or is that just... This, no, nope, nobody else. Okay. Um, so the Holy Spirit is, is this powerful GPS, this tracker, this guide this, uh, that lives with inside it within you. And he's saying, I need you to access me, develop, discover, develop, and deploy the gifts that I give you. I'm going to give you the gifts. I'm going to give you just a non-comprehensive list. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. These are some of the gifts that the scripture lists. Serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, miracles. Healing, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation, leadership, mercy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, administration, evangelism. Gifts that the Lord gives us diversely according to uh, his varied grace, the scripture says. Uh, He says use those gifts. Step three today. Go to step three. Discover, develop, deploy your gifts. Use your gifts by the power of the Holy Spirit that he gave you. Last one is this. Walk in the spirit to allow God's character to shine through you. Paul teaches the apostles teach the Bible teaches that as important as the gifts of the spirit are the most important thing is the fruit of the spirit that's the most important thing he says you can you can have all the gifts you can speak in the tongues of men and angels you can you can give your body to be burned you can be generous you can have all of these amazing gifts but if you do not have love then it's just a lot of noise it's just a lot of noise Galatians 5 says So I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Fruit of the Spirit is love. First one, joy, peace, forbearance, which means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Embrace these, embrace this. Walk in the Spirit. We are children of the Spirit, so stay in step with the Spirit. Last thing I'm gonna say, you can help me close here, and that is this. If you want to experience the clarity, the unity, the expansion of the Holy Spirit in your life, the stories back to back give us the key to experiencing it. And what I want to do is I want to compare these last two, last two lines and last slide. In Genesis, it says they were making a name for themselves. In Acts, it says they were declaring the wonders of God. So the focus of your attention, the motive matters are you seeking to bring attention to yourself make a name for yourself elevate yourself because you will experience confusion division and decline i've been here i did this for about i did this for a little period of time called my 20s i don't know you know some of you are in that but i spent 20 years i spent i spent not 20 years i spent my 20s seeking self and this is what this is what i experienced this is what i got the power of the Holy Spirit came into my life and I began to say, wait, you know what? Actually, I was built to bring honor and glory to him, wasn't I? My life is not, it's supposed to be a billboard, not for myself, but for him. That's what I was designed to do. I was designed to bring honor and glory to him. I was actually designed to declare the wonders of God through my life. So are you. That's why we were made. We're image bearers of God. That's what it means in Genesis when it says they were made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God because we're meant to bear his image to other people. So if you want to experience the clarity, unity, and expansion of the Holy Spirit, turn to God. Seek Him. Go after Him. Seek to bring glory to Him. Seek to bring honor to Him through your life. You're not going to do it perfectly out of the gate, but turn towards Him and experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because that's when we begin to bring people and God together in love. Would you stand with me as we close? I'm just going to pray for you. And I'm just going to pray that you would experience God's power in your life this week in ways that maybe you've never experienced it before. I'm going to pray that you would experience the clarity, the unity, the expansion of God in your relationships, in your job, in your school, with your friends, with your family, by pursuing not your own self-interest, but by pursuing the declaration of the wonders of God, by pursuing Him, by making and seeking for your life to be an example of his character and his nature by the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit who already lives inside of you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and we just ask that you would turn our hearts away from ourselves and towards you. Let us pursue you. Let us long for you. Let us desire you. Let us seek to bring honor, praise, and glory to you. Let us seek, God, for our lives to be a declaration, an advertisement, a billboard of your character and nature. Let us get ourselves out of the way. Let us become smaller that you may become larger. And let the power of the Holy Spirit work in our lives to bring clarity and unity and expansion into every aspect of our life. I pray for every person here today, whether brand new, not even sure if they believe in you, to every believer who's who's been at this for 30, 40, 50 years. Take us from ourself. Turn us from ourselves, Turn us after you to bring power, honor, praise, and glory to you, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen everybody. God bless you. And we'll see you next Sunday. Amen.